you know, I so, I've so enjoyed the study of Romans. And I'm so thankful to God for, for leading me here, as well as you as the church for allowing me to, to preach and, and, and to bring this. And it's been such a blessing to my life. And probably uh, um, few things have blessed me more than the study of Romans 7 last week and just what, how God, I felt God opened it up. You know, something I heard years ago that, that really touched me, um, that at the time I didn't quite understand what it meant, but as I go through, as, as time goes on more and more, it becomes, uh, I love what it means to me more and more. I heard John Piper saying years ago, he was encouraging uh, at a, at a uh, pastor's conference. And he said, he said, he said, I hope, as he talked to these pastors, I hope that you have a list of, 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 of passages, either mentally or written down, that you don't understand. You have this list of, of passages that, that, you don't, you don't, that, that doesn't make sense to you and that you occasionally come back to and read and study. And he said, he said that's such a, a, a gift. And, and at the time I thought, well, it was interesting. But I have to say that, that, that um, I, have, I, have, I, can, I can amen that most wholeheartedly. There's something really good about having passages that, that make no sense to you. And you come back and you study them and you look at them. And, and it may be years and years and years before they ever make sense. I remember the first time that, 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 that Romans 7 did not make sense. <clears throat> to me. I mean, I grew up believing that, of course, this is what it meant. It, Paul was talking about believers and talking about the struggle believers had, and that's what it meant. And the first time that somebody, I, I read another understanding of that, and I thought, oh. And then I looked at it, and I thought, well, it could be that. And then just dealing with that, and 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 so uh, having to go through that and, and struggle with that has been such a, a blessing. And, and um, and as we, and I just want to just a few minutes, kind of go back over it by, uh, by the providence of God. God has has uh, encouraged me to spend a few more time. And we'll look more into it in Romans seven, just a minute. But it is such a, a blessing to see just what that meant for us. It meant to me, and I'm just so thankful for that. Um, as Paul laid out, you know, as we saw in Romans seven last week, as we look back in that in that tremendous passage, you know, Paul talks about. What does it mean to serve God? I mean, all this is about service. And, and, and what does that look like? As, as, he, as he opened up this section, and back in verse 6, 7, 6, we're released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit. And he said, you know, so how do, what does it look like? And we said last week that basically this is about how you worship. You, the way you serve God is you worship God. That is service. That's the only way we serve God. You know, God is not a God that we serve with human hands as far as, as if he needed anything. Our whole life is one of, uh, of worship. This is what we do. We're to worship God. And then at the end of that chapter, in verse, in verse 22, um, I'm sorry, in verse 20, um, 25, thanks be to God, our Lord Jesus Christ. So then I serve myself with the law of God. I, I, I myself serve the law of God with my mind. With my flesh, I serve the law of sin. So how, how, do we, what do we, how do we worship God and all this? And Paul said that the way we worship, what we have to first understand is what did the law do to us? And here's, what the, here's the incredible part about this Roman 7. He said, it's not enough for the law to convince you that you're sinful. 
That's, it's not enough. If all the law does is convince you you're sinful, then you're going to be like the Pharisees. And the whole point of the Pharisees was, we're going to, we're going to help you follow the law. We're going to give you more rules and help you follow the law. And that, so if you, do, if you do like us, you can follow the law. <clears throat> that, that, was, that, was, that was what they did. They were just trying to help you do what the law said. And if, if you read the law of God and come away from there and say, well, I'm a sinful person. I just need to try harder and do better. Then Paul would argue the law was insufficient. It, it did not do what it was supposed to do. That wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for you to learn that you're sinful. You had to learn something so much more. Not only were you sinful, but you were absolutely incapable of following the law. You were sinful, and, and when you tried to follow the law in your own strength, all you did was build yourself up. You added to your own law. That, that, that the, 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 first of all, the law had to reveal sin in our lives. That's what Paul said. We would not have known sin had the law not revealed it. We saw all the wicked things in our lives. We saw all the new ways that we tried to take the glory through God and take it upon ourselves. That's what the law did. And, but the law had to do more than that. The law had to reveal that I could not do it in my own strength. <coughs> the, the, the immediate result of seeing sin in my life is to try harder, do better. It's almost like you got a jar of pickles, you know, and you get the jar of pickles and you try to open it. So what's the first thing that you do after you try to open it you can't? Try harder, right? So we all do. We get that jar of and I'm going to bear down. I'm really going to get it. That's our, that's our natural re reaction to anything. Any problem we see, our natural reaction is we're just going to try harder and do it. That's what, the, that's what Israel did. Oh, man, we're having trouble keeping the law? Well, let's make more rules to help us keep the law. Right? And they passed hundreds of laws to help them, hundreds of rules, to help them keep the law. And so Paul, then Paul talks about that. But the problem with that is, in some respects, you could say it did help them keep the law. It did help them keep the Sabbath. It did help them keep all these things. But the problem with it is, it gave them pride. They had something to rejoice about. <coughs> and that's what Paul says. So I find in verse 21, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, I, here I am, I want to do the right thing. I'm really, I really want to do the right thing. I want to try to do the right thing. Evil, close at hand. The more I try to do the right thing in my own strength, the more I find I sin. The more, the more I find myself drifting into that point of pride. Look what all the good things I've done. So, so the law not only had to reveal my sin, but when it's complete, when it's, when it's done its perfect work, 
it also reveals my inability to change. Not only does it have to show me that I'm sinful, it shows me that I, I can't change. I will, no matter how much I try to do the right thing, I'm just going to be more and more and more sinful. And Paul said, that, that, that's what the law was, that's what it does. It's good in that. And what happens so often is that when we, if we just do part of it, if we just see the, the law is, uh, uh, and it just reveals me as a sinful man so that I try to do the right things, that's what produces legalism. That is legalism. I'm, I'm going to do the right thing. The law said that's sinful. I'm just going to do the right thing. I'm just going to work hard. And I'm going to do. So you got to do the right thing. And we see it all around us everywhere. It happens so often. It is so easy to fall into that trap. Well, the law said that's sinful, so let me just try to do the right thing now. Paul says, nope, it didn't work that way. You can't. <clears throat> the law is to bring you to that place of not only is, am I sinful, I am so sinful, I can't even change it. I can do nothing in myself. I can do no good work. This is the place the law is to bring us. I, I, every single person has to come to that point of, of, oh, wretched man that I am, who can save me from this body, this body of sin? That's, that is the place that the law is to bring us to. So, so when the law is properly applied to my life or to anyone's life, the result will be a constant calling out to Jesus Christ. Oh, wretched man, who can save me? Praise be! To my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That this is what this is where I go to. That everything you see in my life that is done, that is good, it is done by the power of God. And it's interesting to see what Paul's done in the book, isn't it? When you look at Romans and you kind of take it, it's really interesting to see what he's done. Paul said basically, as he's discussing salvation. In chapters 1 through 6, he discusses what, what salvation, what's happening at salvation. What does that look like? And then chapter 7, and, and he talks about the, that salvation is this, this justification of God, that God, that, that Jesus Christ died on the cross, and they were justified by God. And then, in chapter 7, then he said, this is what the gospel salvation looks like from our point of view. Because in chapter 7, we have this gospel presentation right here. Then he said, in chapter 7, the law came, and you had to recognize sin. For, for you to understand the, 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 the gospel presentation, for you to understand your need for Christ, you first must recognize sin, that you're sinful. But that wasn't enough just to see yourself as sinful. You also had to see your absolute helpless condition. So Paul said not only in, in chapter 7 is, is the recognition of sin, there's the recognition of our weakness and our inability to do anything about it. We are sinful, and there's nothing we can do about it. No matter how hard we try to do better, the more we try, the more pride it leads in us. The better we do, the more pride it leads in us, and the more sinful we become, which is incredible. 
the more I try to do good to myself, the more I've come, the further I get away from God because I'm trying it in my own strength. And the more pride it builds. And then also in chapter 7, we have the recognition of the beauty and worth of Jesus Christ. That is salvation. That, that it is, which brings us to chapter 8. <laughs> in chapter 8, I've called it the application of the gospel. You see, because it wasn't, and it's so funny because you look at all the, the, the all the the, uh, uh, the different outlines, and what they generally have is the application starting at verse twelve or chapter twelve. You guys know the verse. Therefore, uh, present your bodies to Christ. That that passage, and certainly that that is a part of the application. But I really believe that the application of the gospel starts here, in chapter eight. That this is where we begin. So what does it look like to walk out this absolute dependence on Christ? And it's not theological, it's, it's applicable, it's practical. What does that mean for us? How do we live this out, this understanding that you could not do it, you cannot do it in your own strength, there's nothing you can do, how do you live this out before it? Which brings us to chapter 8. So let's read chapter 8, 1 through 4. Or verses one, chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, and see how far we can get through that this morning. Romans 8, verses 1 through 4. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. <coughs> for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. <coughs> me, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That right now, but this crying out to God, this recognition of your absolute dependence upon God is this point of, 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 that removes this condemnation. Because you've reached the end of yourself, because you've come to the point of, of poverty in spirit, and you've cried out to Jesus Christ, and you've called to Him as Lord and Savior, there is no condemnation. You were the thief on the cross who said, I deserve all that's happening to me. But remember me when you get to your father's side. You were Jonah in the pit of the great fish saying, oh Lord, remember me. There's nothing I can do. I hear I'm absolutely helpless and dependent. There's nothing. Remember me. You recognized your helpless condition and called to Jesus Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation you're in Christ Jesus. Or you're no longer in the process of being condemned to eternal separation from God. You're no longer under judgment. You were once under judgment. Everybody was. John 3, 17 and 18. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in Him believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name 
of the only Son of God. You were under judgment. The whole world is under judgment. But now you believe in Jesus Christ, and now you're set free from that. There is no condemnation. Oh, every, oh you, you are declared righteous. God has, has spoken the words, righteous. He has, he has justified you. He has, and, and, and we said so many times, the words of God are creative. God speaks and it happens. God speaks and, and righteousness is created in you. You're righteous. And, and here's the incredible part about this, is there's nothing you can do to change that. I can't, I can't add to that righteousness. I can't do these things and become more and more righteous. It doesn't work that way. And neither can I, can I do those sins and lose that righteousness. I, I'm, I'm, there's no condemnation. I mean, what? think about that. There is no condemnation. It didn't say, well, there might not be any condemnation. Or it could be there's no condemnation. He's saying there is no condemnation. Now. So, it's all set, right? That's it. We're good. And, and so here, Paul really gets into the very nature, by implication, in the very nature of what it means to believe. What does it mean to believe in Jesus Christ? It's not about believing that Jesus existed. Many people believe Jesus existed. Many, many people believe Jesus existed. It's about believing that you are absolutely helpless without him. That to believe in Jesus means you recognize your helpless condition without him. That there's nothing you can do without him. It's a declaration of your absolute dependence upon him. But this release from condemnation is not for everyone, right? Just for those, just for everyone that is found in Jesus Christ. And we've talked, what is it, and Paul has spent a great deal in chapter 6 talking about what does it mean to be found in Jesus Christ? That means you were, you were in him at, at, the, at his death. He is your federal head now. And all of his and all of the righteousness he did, it can be said he can be put upon you. And he's going to get into that. And you know, really, when you when you think about it, what more do we need to say? I mean, what more can you say than this? That this I mean, it's such a, an incredible verse. That there's no condemnation. When you think about all your sin and all the things you do wrong and all the mistakes you made. And God says, oh, there's no condemnation in that. There's none. You know, that, that, man, that just, that should just sort of well up in your heart every once in a while and say, man, there's no condemnation. I, you know, I sinned, I blew it again. Praise be to God, because I knew, I mean, my, I'm helpless without Christ. There's no condemnation. He, he is, it's, it's all because of Him. I've been declared righteous because of him. I couldn't, I couldn't keep the I couldn't keep the law. I couldn't even try to keep the law. The more I tried to keep it, the more sinful I was. But because of him and what he's done, there is no condemnation. I've been set free. 
verse 2, for or because the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. We have been set free in Christ Jesus. We are no longer under judgment because there's a new law at work, the law of the Spirit. The law of the Spirit has set us free in Christ Jesus. Now, to be set free does not mean that we are free and we can do whatever we want. Free doesn't even mean that in our society. Free, we talk about freedoms and, and people have this, this idealistic, well, free means you can do whatever you want. We know better than that. That's not what it means to be free. The land of the free does not mean the land of anarchy and chaos. The land of the free in Roman society meant that you were free to live as a citizen of Rome. You could appeal to Caesar for protection and justice, just like any other citizen of Rome. A slave or someone of another of a captured nation couldn't do that. I, even though you lived in Rome, under Roman Empire, that didn't make you a citizen. Just to live there didn't make you a citizen. Many thousands and thousands of people lived in the Roman Empire that were not free, that were not Roman citizens. To be, to be free, to claim that citizenship was a high honor. You know, it, it, when, you, when you read that passage in Acts where, where, where Paul, you're getting ready to beat Paul and he, and he says, and he says, well, is it right for you to beat a Roman citizen? And, and, the guy, and you just see the, the soldiers like pulling back, no. Probably none of them were Roman citizens. Probably none of them were. That's what the, why, why the, the sergeant says, well, I, I, I bought my, my citizenship. Such a big deal. The question here then is, what does it mean to be under the law of spirit? What are you being set free to? And this really goes back to the whole purpose of the law and why God handed it down to Moses. Paul's going to answer this question as he continues with this exposition. So we'll go on. Instead of dealing with it here, we'll come back to this. What does it mean to be under the law of the Spirit? Verse 3, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. Or I like the Holman translation better here when it says, For God has done what the law, limited by the flesh, could not do. It's not like the law was weakened by my flesh. It, it, the work, but the work that it was doing was limited by my flesh. So the law was given so that all mankind could do something. But because of our flesh, it was not completed. So God had to do something else so that it could be completed. So this purpose, so what God was, the purpose of man had to be completed God had to do something else, and what he did was send his son, Jesus Christ. By sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, the incarnate, to become in the likeness of sinful flesh. Now, not sinful flesh, but it's likeness. 
He wasn't in Adam, so it wasn't sinful. But he had to come in the light of sinful flesh. And, and, and so that he could come and fulfill the righteous requirements of the law for us. All sin in the flesh was judged and condemned. You know, you might have had a case before God for your sins had not Jesus not come to the earth to live that perfect righteousness. You might have been able to say, well, God, you're right. I mean, I, I, I couldn't do it, but, but nobody could. Nobody could ever live the righteous before you had Jesus not come and did that in the flesh. Jesus did, relying upon God, relying upon the power of God. He lived perfectly. He did everything to the glory of God. He gave God glory in everything he did in all of his ways. He fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law for us. And again, it's important to remember what, the, what sin is and what righteousness is. You know, we, they have to be more than just the words. You know, you have, when you hear the word sin, you have to think of it as more than just, well, I, I, missing the mark or, or doing the wrong thing. We have to understand what sin is. As Paul said in Romans chapter 1, Sin is not just failing to keep the commandments. Sin is failing to give God the glory he deserves. This is sin. Or as he said, sin is believing the lie instead of the truth. Or failing to acknowledge God as God. This is sin. And righteousness is just the opposite. Righteousness is giving God the glory he deserves. Righteousness is believing the truth instead of the lie. Righteousness is acknowledging God as God in all that we do and say. So what was the righteousness, I'm sorry, so what was the righteous requirements of the law? It was by following the law, you would give God the glory. You should, by following the law, by doing what the law said, you showed the world, I believe, the, the truth of God instead of the lie that it's all about me. By following the law, you would acknowledge God as God. And you know, the old law was picky, wasn't it? I mean, you had to do it exactly right. You couldn't get close to it. You couldn't just sort of do it. It demanded absolute obedience. And that was the righteous requirement of the law. In Christ, we fulfilled that. Because He fulfilled that, and since we were in Him, it could be said that we fulfilled it. Hebrews 7. And so, everyone who walked according, to, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, is in this. So, what, so this is about how we walk and how we live this out. Those who walk, According to the uh, who, who, have, who walk according to the Spirit, have fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law. So, what is the law of the Spirit that he talked about in verse 2 that has set us free from the law of sin and death? Just as the old law of God was given so that men might display the glory of God or, or might reveal that we believe the truth and not the lie. 
or we might live in such a way to acknowledge God as God, the law, the law of the Spirit is given the same rate for the same reason. We live by and follow the Spirit of God and thereby give God the glory He deserves. It's not me that does it. It's not me that does it, that does good. It's Him. It's His work. We live by and follow the Spirit of God and show that we believe the truth of God and not the lie. The lie that would say it's all about me and I deserve other things. This is the truth and say it's about God and His glory. We live by and follow the Spirit of God and acknowledge God is God. And it's only by walking by the Spirit can we live righteous at this time. This is the application of the gospel. It's not, it's, not, it's not like you walk by the Spirit and do other things. This is everything that we are and everything we're to do. Anything that we're talking about, anything we're to do, if it's not Spirit-led and Spirit-empowered, it's sin. Now think about that for a second. Everything. If it's not Spirit-led and Spirit-empowered, it's sin. If it wasn't, if it's not the working of God leading you to this, if you're doing it for any other reason other than God's Spirit leading you to this, it's sin. Anything. No matter what it is. <coughs> if you don't believe this is this is what this is what God's leading you to, if you're doing it for, for any other reason, it's not righteous. Now, understand. Again, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If it's God's Spirit leading you and you're leading it out, there is no condemnation. And, and, and the reality is we all fail in this. But it's coming back to that point of saying, God, I need your Spirit to lead me each and every day because I'll, if I leave it to myself, if I leave it to myself, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow I'm gonna follow the, 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 the wishes and the controls of the people around me. They'll be my God. I'll do I'll do it to please them. Because I want it to be all about me. I want I want everything to be good about me. And and so this 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 application of this understanding of just how, how weak and 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 incapable we are. That's chapter 8. And that's where we're going to go with this. Is what, is it, what does it look like to live a spirit-filled life? What does it look like to live according to the spirit, not according to the, to the flesh? What does that mean for us? Because this should be, this, this is our battle every day as Christians. To live that out. It, it's such a battle to hold on to our faith. God, I believe this is what you would have me to do before you to bring you glory and honor. Lead me in that. So the application of the gospel begins right here. Right here about walking by the Spirit. This is, this is how we apply this truth of salvation. We said <coughs> all the way back from chapter 5 that Paul said, here, here's the reality of it. <clears throat> there's a difference between having 
a dead sacrifice as the Savior of the God and having a living Savior. It looks different, Paul said in chapter 5. It's, it, it causes you to look and walk and live different. And now we've got to the application of it. It's about having a spirit-filled life. One that we're dependent upon Him and His Word and Him speaking to us every day. And that's our, our, our prayer, and that's how we're going to try to apply this. And so you're going to hear this a lot over the next, however long it takes to get through Romans 8. But I'm, this, is, this is what I'm going to talk about. If it's not spirit-led, if it's not spirit-empowered, it is sin. Because I think we need to hear that often. <laughs> and often we have to hear this. Because I know I'm basically lazy. You know? I, I remember read, thinking about it years ago, <coughs> and I'll close with this. Years ago, I remember reading, <coughs> actually, I was, I was, I was looking at, at Catholicism. I, 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 wanted, I wanted to be right. I want to know what I believe. And I, want, I want to do it you know, right. And so, you know, for old religions, I was looking at it, and I was reading those the prayers of Catholicism, and I remember thinking, I I, I kind of wish somebody'd write down all my prayers. Here, this pray this now, you know. I'm lazy. I, I want I want an easy button, and uh, I wish somebody could say, okay, now Matt, you sin. This is what you got to do. You got to pray this. You got to do this. Man, wouldn't it be great? You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a part of my flesh that said, yeah, I'd like to have that written out in concrete. This is exactly what you do. Unfortunately, I don't think any faith in that, does it? And so it, it, it is a struggle. What does it look like to be spirit-led? What, what does it mean for me tomorrow? What does it mean for me this afternoon to be spirit-led and spirit-empowered? So, so when I, as I think about my Bible study tonight, Am I going to do this because, well, it's what I'm supposed to be doing. It's the habit. Am I doing it because I really, I, I'm, I come before God and say, God, is this what you would have me to do? If that's not the reason, then, then I shouldn't do it. If I'm doing it simply because, well, it's a habit, and I want you guys to think I'm really spiritual and, and, and really a great guy, it's the wrong reason to do it. Anything. And that really is my, my struggle, my temptation. And I'll, I'll, I'll share it with you. I want you guys to think I'm a really great guy. I want you guys to think I'm really spiritual. So my temptation is to do these things so that you'll think I'm all that. And I have to ask God, God, forgive me for that. Because I really want to come to this and say, you know what, I, I'm going to, I'm going to do this because I feel this is what would please and honor you, God, not because I want people to think I'm a nice person. Because if it's not spirit-led, if it's not spirit-empowered, it's sin. And I can find a lot of ways to sin.
we are so absolutely dependent upon you. Our life and breath and direction and leadership, and God, is so, I, I'm so looking forward 